Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the what ifs in adoption from both sides, because the adoptive family and the birth parents obviously have concerns throughout their adoption journey. And I think by addressing some of those what ifs, maybe we can show each side the opposing side's viewpoint And in doing so, hopefully alleviate some of these concerns and worries. First and foremost, I want to point out that these are normal, normal concerns and worries across the board when you are doing an adoption. Very much parallel to if you are going through fertility treatments, you have a different set of worries and a different set of concerns. So understand that when you're embarking on a new adventure or a new journey that you haven't gone through before, you are going to encounter these worries and concerns and fears, and it may create some anxiety and stress. And so hopefully this podcast will alleviate some of that and we can kind of turn this around and, and show you really some of these, you can just kind of push by the wayside. So that's the goal for today. So for birth parents, you are in a good place. The adoption is primarily going to be dictated by you. You get to make the final decisions and the final calls. And so what what birth parents often worry about is, what if the adoptive family doesn't like me when we meet in person? What if the adoptive family I choose, I don't like? when I meet them in person? What if I deliver prematurely and my baby has to stay in the hospital longer than the normal amount of time? What if the adoptive family is only being nice to me because they want to adopt the baby? What if my baby isn't cute and the adoptive family changes their mind about wanting to adopt my baby? What if my baby has medical problems and the adoptive family changes their minds about adopting my baby? And the last most common one is, what if I really struggle when it's time to let my baby go with the adoptive family? So what we're going to do first is talk about these concerns, and I'm going to go back through them and kind of contradict them and give you really what 
the responses and the feelings are not only from the adoptive family, but from an adoption agency's perspective. So what if the adoptive family doesn't like me when we meet in person? The adoptive family is going to be more nervous than you are. The adoptive family is so excited to meet you, so excited to form a connection with you. They want to know absolutely everything about you, but they're also going to be very, very, very nervous. And sometimes nervous people come across kind of quirky or they're not really themselves and they may, you know, ask a dumb question or they may seem kind of scattered. They're trying to put their best foot forward. Right. They may not come across as being genuine. They may come across as being very phony on both sides. Right. And so, you know, sometimes when, when somebody is so nervous about meeting somebody else and they're just really struggling with getting words out, you know, you tell them, fake it till you make it. Like you just got to jump in and just do it. And so I always say, you know, if, if you're worried about whether they like you or your concern is the second one of, of, you know, what if you don't like them, give it a second meeting, really try to go back to what you liked about this family, what you found in their profile that you really fell in love with them as a family and know that if for some reason you decide after, you know, giving them a second opportunity or a third opportunity, like I'm just not clicking and there's just nothing there. Then what you would do is go back to your adoption agency and say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling because this family isn't really who I thought they were and I'm not comfortable with it and just see what can be done because it doesn't happen very often. I think I've seen it a handful of times in 16 years, Mm -hmm. but in the event that it does, there's always another plan that we can create. So that's not something to stress about. If the baby comes early and the baby has to stay in the hospital longer, then that just means more time with you and the adoptive family and the baby. Mm -hmm. So everyone has the common goal of wanting the baby to be as healthy as possible, to have the medical care that the baby needs. So again, that's not really something to worry about because you and your baby are going to be surrounded by support. What if the adoptive family is only being nice to you because they want to adopt your baby is a concern that I can see why somebody would worry about that, but understand that they want to be nice to you and they do want to adopt your baby. However, they want to be nice to you because you're giving them the greatest blessing that somebody can possibly give them. And when they're with you for a couple of days or maybe even a week, they only have so much time to show you their gratitude and their appreciation for what you're doing. So it's not that they're only being nice to you because they want to adopt your baby. They're being nice to you and maybe they're being extra, extra nice to you because they've got to shove all of this into one week. Know that it is not going to be as frequent of communication as it is at that time. The next one, you know, what if your baby isn't as cute as you thought it would be? Okay, so this one's kind of funny to me because... Um, those of us that have had newborns understand that all newborns are pretty in their own way. And I've never in 16 years had an adoptive family look at the baby and say, no, thank you. And walk out the door. That has never, ever happened. 
you know, a baby is in a womb <laughs> for nine months and they're scrunched up and they're, you know, they've got the, um, the, the fluid all around them. And then they put the drops in the baby's eyes. So then the eyes swell and, you know, they're all scrunched up. And so, you know, when you're kind of unfolding as a newborn, you know, you get prettier as the days go by. Right. Um, but some people really, especially, you know, birth parents, you know, if it's their first baby and they look at the baby and they're like, Ooh, like what happened? Know, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, know that your baby is your baby will pretty up and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, well, my mom is still waiting for me to pretty up. It hasn't happened yet, but most babies do. You know, I, I find the most honest people, the funniest. And I had a colleague once and when she delivered her second child, they held up the baby, you know, after the baby had been born and she looked at her daughter and she started laughing. And then she looked at her husband and said, what did we do? <laughs> so, it, <laughs> and I have to say, her daughter's beautiful now. Like, she's beautiful. But when she was born, you know, I mean, one ear was like flat down on her head. Right. And she, you know, kind of looked a little distorted the way she had a big lump on her head. And she had a huge cone head on top of it. And so it, you know, those things can happen. And it's not abnormal to, you know, when you first see your baby to think, oh, that's not what I had. Look right. (laughs) Right. When my son was born, uh, he they had to use a a vacuum to pull him out. And so he had like a really big bump on the back of his head. And when he came out, that was I, I saw it immediately. And I said, oh, what's that on his head? And I said, oh, it's going to go down. And I remember looking at it thinking, you know, maybe I could put a hat on him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Always. Right. Just to kind of hide it. Like I I was, I didn't know if they meant it was going to go away completely or if it was not going to be this, you know. It'll kind of mitigate. but (laughs) Right, right. But it totally went away. It was totally fine. And it was gone within, I think, a few hours. I mean, it was. Oh, really? That quickly? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it went down really, really fast. But sometimes when babies are in the birth canal for an extended period of time, they re- they get a real big cone head. And that that could be really alarming if you haven't seen a lot of newborns. Mm-hmm. And Especially, you know, like you said, if this is your first child, it's like, right. wait a minute, I, I didn't do something right. So people can be very concerned. The same with an adoptive family. We, we reassure everybody, you know, the baby was just in the canal. I mean, it's a lot of people know that if you have a C-section and the baby hasn't descended at all into the canal, the babies do look prettier because they're not misfigured. You know what I mean? Like from coming out, going through the tube. Right. And (laughs) but I have to say, I'm 15 years. I have seen a lot of babies and a lot of cone heads and Mm -hmm. you, you, you see with like the birth moms, if they take a picture with their baby, you see they're, they're kind of like, concerned look on their face right. but again it's totally normal the, the heads do kind of go back to normal shape and <laughs> and it's nothing to be concerned about so and regardless the adoptive family and the birth parents i want to reassure you both you are going to love this baby mm-hmm. cone header but the cone head will go <laughs> uh, if the baby has a medical problem 
Sometimes we know this going into labor and delivery, and it's been disclosed to the adoptive family, you know, the birth parents know. Sometimes there's a surprise at delivery and there's a medical condition that the doctors didn't discover during the pregnancy. And I've had that happen a few times, I would say more than a few times. Uh, or sometimes if there is a medical situation that they have, you know, are suspecting when the baby is born, it'll either be not as bad as they thought, or I've had a situation where it was much worse. And the way that we handle those is the adoptive families, we are prepared and they understand that if, if they were to be giving birth to this, and this was their biological child, the exact same thing could be happening. And so they understand that this is their child. I have never had an adoptive family walk away because of a medical malady with a baby. I've heard of it happening. It's not very common at all. But again, with our agency, I can, I can say that we definitely prepare families. You know, anything can happen. You can have a perfectly healthy pregnancy, a perfectly healthy baby during the pregnancy. And then something happens during labor and delivery and the baby may go into distress and then there are issues afterwards. So things happen. I mean, we're talking about the birth of a child. Anything can happen. But yes, adoptive families, for the most part, are, are right there and on your side. So birth parents know that. Letting the baby go, it, it is very normal having a hard time anticipating letting the baby go. The physical and emotional act of letting the baby go with the adoptive family. And, you know, our case managers and the adoption counselor are ready to help you process these emotions. They're going to help you prepare for that moment. And then we also have our adoption aftercare program, the Donna K. Evans program that will continue to assist you in the care support that you're going to need after the adoption, because you are going to go through a grieving process in most situations. And, and we're going to be there for you and, and help you through that. So now switching sides for adoptive families, you actually have less control over the adoption situation. You can choose what adoption agency you'd like to work with, what your adoption preferences are, and which birth mothers you'd like to be presented to. And this is where a lot of adoptive families struggle. So this is where we also say adoption isn't for everybody because you don't have full control over what happens during the adoption journey. In a lot of ways, it is like infertility. You can go in with the best of intentions and be given percentages by your doctor that how successful it's going to be, what the chances are, and then it doesn't work out. You just need to remember whether you are choosing an adoption plan or whether you're going down the infertility route and doing fertility treatments, that when you embark on a journey, you don't always know where you're going to land. And you have to find peace and reach the acceptance stage prior to even starting that journey, or you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. You have to know that at the end of this fertility treatment or at the end of this adoption plan, we're either going to be successful or we're not. That's a hard reality to accept and comprehend and find peace in. 
And for those that are struggling, I do recommend counseling prior to beginning either way to start your family. So adoptive families worry about, will the birth mother go through with her adoption plan? As an agency, we are working with the birth mother and we are doing everything to support her in her adoption plan. But these are human beings and human emotions and we're dealing with life and there's no guarantees. And beyond being human emotions and a human life event, this is one of the biggest life events anybody will ever experience. So the emotions are going to run higher than normal and the choices that are made are going to be sometimes more drastic than normal. But uh, yeah, there's no guarantees. We've said it a thousand times. There's no guarantees in life. Right. And for a birth mother who is placing a baby for adoption for the very first time, she has no foreknowledge of what she's going to feel at the moment of having the baby and when she is about to sign consents and when the baby is about to go with the adoptive family. And so she's doing the best that she can to prepare herself and to find peace in her decision. But sometimes those feelings are overwhelming. And sometimes she didn't expect to feel a feeling that she is in turn feel. Right. So that is very hard. And it's very hard on both sides. It's hard on the, the birth mother side and it's hard on the adoptive family side. Another one that adoptive families worry about is what if I don't feel a connection with the birth mom or with the baby when the baby is born? Again, this is very normal. So some adoptive mothers, more so I think than adoptive fathers, have, if they have not received counseling and they have not gone through the grief stages of choosing adoption because they're not able to biologically have a baby on their own, Sometimes it is very hard to hear about the birth mother's pregnancy, about, you know, going to, you know, going to her uh, OBGYN appointments, seeing the baby on the ultrasound, not being able to experience all of that herself. So watching somebody else go through that sometimes can be very, very difficult. So is there some jealousy going on from the adoptive mother then with seeing the birth mother go through all this? Sometimes. And, And we find that more if an adoptive family has not received counseling or has not processed the emotions of grief of not being able to biologically have her own child. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, when you're feeling jealousy or resentment towards somebody that is able to do something that you are not, it is harder for them to form a connection, an emotional connection with a birth mother. And so that's why we really encourage adoptive families prior to starting an adoption plan, really make sure that you are in a place mentally that you can enjoy your adoption experience, that you can not miss out on anything. And whether that is going to require counseling or whether it's just something that you need to process on your own and really work through those stages of grief, it's something that we do uh, recommend. If, you know, the baby's born some adoptive moms really feel that connection immediately when they see the baby and, and they immediately look at this baby, like in that twilight movie, when uh, they, they say that, that what, what, what was that term where they hone in on somebody and then bam, that's, that's their person. You know what I'm talking about? I never saw the twilight movies. I know it's okay. a surprise, but 
I get you. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> so if you're not feeling that immediate connection, it, it can take time. We would recommend doing like kangarooing, you know, where you do skin to skin contact with the baby, you know, spending time with the baby, but don't, don't let that worry you. And again, if, you know, as time passes, you're still not feeling a bond with the baby, then we can have somebody, uh, a specialist come in and help you, you know, through the adoption agency, through the counseling services that we can offer through our adoption counselor. So there are avenues to assist you with that. What if the baby doesn't look like the adoptive family imagined? This is a funny one because uh, I see this. It's not funny for them in the moment, but looking back, reflecting, I can tell you situation after situation where, you know, the baby came out a different gender or the baby came out a different race or the baby came out looking different than they had, you know, the baby didn't come out looking like a Gerber baby. Right. And the baby didn't look like a Gerber baby when the baby was discharged from the okay. hospital. So the couple right. of unfolded didn't work in the baby's favor as much as we had hoped, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think the best advice I can give is that babies change in how they look and you're going to love your baby. You're going to fall in love with your baby you know, if your baby has a different look than you were expecting. When your son was born, did he look how you thought he was going to look? Oh, exactly. 100%. Really? (laughs) Well, okay, maybe not exactly. No, like you said, they they come out and they're not quite what you expect. Again, John was my first and only, but you don't all you see is pictures of babies and they're all so perfect like you say the gerber babies and things like that and of course no he didn't look like that as a matter of fact <laughs> so john was a big baby he was 10 pounds 13 and a half ounces something like that so almost 11 pounds he was a, and this wasn't a c section or anything so it was a rough one and the nurse at the time when he first came out said Oh my God, he's a monster. Well, my wife took that a different way. She didn't know what we had done wrong, you know? (laughs) So, obviously, she just meant he's big. And he was. He was long. He was big. And so, but uh, you just get over it really quickly. Like, and like you say, they do grow into their beauty and their, but... That first couple hours, you're a little nervous. Like, is this what I created? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have to say the biggest shock of my four biological children would have been my second child. And I was actually induced at 37 and a half weeks back then. They, they did it much earlier than they do now. But they were worried that she was just going to be so big um, based upon the ultrasound readings that they were concerned that she was going to be too big and I wouldn't be able to deliver her. And so they induced me at 37 and a half weeks. And when she was born, she was six pounds, nine ounces. So she was tiny and she had the cord wrapped around her neck twice. And so her face was pretty blue. Um, so it was one of those experiences that is is scary where, you know, the nurse is pounding on the emergency button on the wall uh-huh. and people come, you know, flying in and they're taking her and, you know, trying to get her to breathe and everything else. And right. so it was 
when when the doctor you know pulled her out and she had the uh the cord wrapped around her neck twice and she's little we both the doctor and i both just stared at her because you know i was expecting you know something like your son coming out you know this big you know baby and i had this little peanut that came out (laughs) and i thought wow the ultrasound was really off on this one so you know she was a tiny and she's fine she was you know she's beautiful and that was almost 18 years ago now on sunday yes (laughs) 18 years wow wow 18 years she was also a a vacuum baby um i had two that they had used a vacuum on and my babies have really big heads and so uh they um but her head wasn't like my son's my son had the real you know lump on his head he and i didn't get to really see her that much right away because they were working on her Mm -hmm. So it wasn't with him. I got to see him, you know, pretty much right away. And then they cleaned him up and then they brought him right back. And I have to say the hospital was, was amazing with my son because my ex-husband had reached out as they were bringing the baby back and they said, no, sorry, mom first. And he had come to me. <laughs> Which I, I she did all the work. Them. Right. <laughs> yeah. But even though, you know, labor and delivery is really, not fun per se, because it's, you know, labor and painful and it's, right. you know, it's all cool stuff. And I have to say with my third child, I absolutely had the, the best experience with labor and delivery with her because I had, uh, when she was coming out, I didn't have to have a vacuum, which was nice. At, when she was coming out, my doctor did the most amazing thing and he used this this like firm voice and told me to open my eyes. And he said it in such a way that I listened, you know, when you're in labor and delivery, you're, you know, really like kind of in your own head. Right. And he just like commanded me to open my eyes and look, and I actually got to watch her being born rather than, mm-hmm. you know, screaming or, you know what I mean? Yelling or, you know, closing my eyes and pushing. And in so, a weird way, it takes yeah. away a lot of the pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was amazing to watch her be born. Mm-hmm. And so that was, yeah, third time was a charm. <laughs> and then I back over at one with my son. <laughs> so if the baby doesn't look like you had envisioned, I have to say, having had four biological children, none of them came out in that moment and looked as if I had thought they would look. Right. They all very much grew into how I thought they would look. But, you know, in that moment when they hold up the baby, the baby's covered with, you know, white stuff and it's sometimes really red or sometimes the face is purplish or blue. And then they put the gel on the eyes and then the eyes swell. I mean, you look at the baby and you're, you, I can see why my colleague was like, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> so just know that that moment will pass. Mm-hmm. What if the baby doesn't love me? Well, the good news is, is that newborns don't talk. So the baby is not going to tell you that the baby doesn't love you. The baby will love you. You you have to believe that. And showering this baby and knowing that you chose this baby and that you are so blessed by this baby, this baby is going to grow and this baby is going to love you. So take that off of your mind, your worries. Just be reassured that this baby's gonna gonna work. So then I get the questions of what if something happens? What if 
what if, what if. We can what if all day, every day. I do it too. I what if, I'm a what ifer. Mm-hmm. Are you a what ifer? I am actually, I've gotten better because of your husband. Because a long time ago, he told me, he said, uh, all too often we worry about things that haven't happened yet and aren't likely to happen, but we worry about them. And I try and put that in perspective because he had said that and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I'll spend all day long, you know, with the what ifs of life if I don't control it and go, wait, this is not even likely. Why am I worried about it? If it happens, that's when you should start worrying about it. I mean, sure, you should be prepared for something, but don't worry and stress yourself out over it. Right, because, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, worrying about something takes away your joy, and it takes away your ability to be mindful and present in the moment because you are focusing on something else. And as much as I you know, would like to practice what I'm preaching, it is hard. It is a struggle. And I think that sometimes if you're really stuck in the what ifs, either if you're a birth mother or an adoptive family, try to distract yourself, you know, try to find something really positive. Like if you're really struggling about, you know, is my adoption really going to happen? Is a birth mother really going to place her baby with us? Maybe watch a Hallmark movie about a positive adoption, you know, Mm -hmm. just find positivity and, and try to surround yourself with that. But it can be difficult. And that's when maybe speaking with adoptive families who've gone through the same experience as you and had a good outcome, speaking with them or speaking with, uh, if you, you know, pray, maybe, maybe pray about it. Or if you meditate, maybe meditate, or if you, um, walk, can walk on a beach and that's your happy place, then walk on the beach, but really try to not let the what ifs rob you of the amazing journey that you're going to have because it's something that you will cherish for the rest of your life and letting worries and fear detract from what should be the most special time is just going to hurt you in the end it's going to take away from it it's it's going to rob you of those moments that you could have just been excited and you're right worrying about something isn't going to change it but again much easier said than done my best advice on the what ifs It goes back to, again, be educated, make informed decisions when you're doing an adoption plan, have faith in the agency that you have chosen, and have faith in the birth mother that you chose as well. And if you have confidently made these choices, whether you are an adoptive family or birth parents, then find peace and comfort in the choice that you yourself made. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. 
Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines.